0: invite you to be seated. And as you're seated, also to pray with me. Holy and gracious God, coming together after celebrating our Thanksgiving with friends and families, we come and celebrate this season that we call Advent, a time when we anticipate and hope for your coming. So we pray that you would continue to speak to us today. Having heard your scriptures read, that the meditations of my heart and all of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing to you, O Lord our God. Amen. Amen. So I imagine just a little bit that as I read, I got an applause. I don't think I've ever gotten an applause for the scripture reading, although I did not do as well as I probably should have, having studied Hebrew in my past, but thank you for that. I just felt like, you know, a little good. I didn't even practice it too many times, so there we go. Uh, But I imagine as I read that scripture, you kind of thought to yourself, you might have been thinking, oh, it's Advent, we're going to tell the story of Jesus, and we're excited. It's all leading up to Christmas. And then I began with the lectionary reading for the day. Lectionary is a fancy Christian word for readings that are prescribed over the course of three years within the church, a number of churches like Lutherans, Catholics, Presbyterians, Methodists. We try sometimes to follow that, some more strictly than others, these Readings. And so each year we get a different take on the story leading up to Jesus' birth. And just so happens that we get Matthew's beginning, and it is. Super exciting, right? Almost as exciting as when I had my Luke Axe professor at Azusa Pacific, which is where I went to college. He came in and he was so excited. It was his first class he is teaching after getting his doctorate degree in biblical studies and New Testament biblical studies. And so there we were, students listening to him and like trying to talk story a little bit and hear more about his life. He was just this kind of like English quirky guy, and he had this accent, and and then he proceeded to very excitingly tell us about his PhD work that he thought was revolutionary on genealogies in the Bible (laughs) and the meaning that you can find in it. And we as students just sat there thinking to ourselves, wait, you can write a book on the genealogies of the Bible? And wait, you think there is something for us today that has anything to do with us? Because as you read the stories, right, as I read these words, it's just like father after father after father after father, right? And you just like, it's nauseating the amount of names that I included within this Bible reading today. And at the same time, I think for people reading this text when it was being read during antiquity, you know, so the time right after Jesus... That they would have been much more drawn in than we are. We like it's hit the snooze button and we're ready to go. But I don't know if any of you have been uh, following this thing called the World Cup lately. Anyone else? Just me? Okay, just me. All right. But one of the things I love about that, and, and just in, in general, I love this is that learn stories of people's lives. And one of the things they do within the games is they highlight the stories of the different players. And because it's a global atmosphere, you got stories that are coming from all over the globe about how they made it from either, you know, playing barefoot in Brazil to like the best player in the world, or you know, perhaps they you know came from Pennsylvania and And they ended up now as one of the better players in England, which was 10 years ago potentially unheard of or unthinkable. Or, you know, perhaps the U.S. goalie, his last name is Turner. He grew up playing baseball and then watched the World Cup and then decided he wanted to be A soccer player. And he now is playing, uh, he's a goalie for US. And on top of that, he's also the goalie for Arsenal, which is like one of the premier leagues in England. It's a big deal. And it's crazy just to hear these stories of different people. And it's fascinating to do that. In fact, I think that the US national team even put out stories for every single individual player on their team. And you can find out more about that. But I get really drawn into that as I watch the players that are playing on the field, because I'm really into it. I know it's nine o'clock and there's a game going, so I'm speaking to an audience. I've clearly skipped this game, but I'm here, so stay with me. But anyway, essentially, the story of Jesus and the genealogy of Jesus was meant to draw people in to hear more about this person that was to be called the Messiah. And just like when we hear these stories and they're fascinating about what they did with their kids, for some reason, who they were connected to and who was in their genealogy had significant meaning. And now before we go off into, you know, there's, there's ways to read genealogies that I think are um, inaccurate or inappropriate to how they were probably used. And that is to say that the genealogy of Christ was meant to be an outline of exactly the lineage of Jesus, the way it was supposed to be. Period. And you know have people that will say that this is Jesus's like line. You know, this is the father and the father and the father. Like this is exactly the way it was supposed to be. And then other people on the other side say, "Yeah, well, maybe not," because you can just read Luke, and Luke's genealogy is completely different than Matthew's, right? What the point that both of these authors are doing, and everyone knew it at the time, is they're trying to make connections of authority for the audiences that they were writing to. So for the audience of Matthew, and as we move throughout the season of Matthew, or the season of Advent with Matthew, we'll be having different ways in which this writer is trying to associate Jesus with the priestly line of the Hebrew people. Because Matthew was written to the Jews, unlike Luke, that was written to the Gentiles. I know I'm getting biblical studies on us, but they each had their own slants on who they included and why they included. And the idea of 14 generations from Adam to David, and then 14 generations until they get to the Babylonian exile, and then 14 generations. Well, each of those numbers represents an idea of wholeness, of being complete, that this story is arrived. That seven times, you know, there's seven plus seven is 14, and then seven and seven. It's all these, like, numerology, which is a whole nother aspect of, like, biblical studies that I'm sure people have written dissertations on, that I can't tell you all the Ins and outs of, but all that to say, the author of Matthew wrote this genealogy so that all of the hearers might hear the story of Jesus that went before. And what's particularly interesting, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, is some of the people that were included and some of the things that were, well, let's say, unsaid. Right? Like, so David and the story around Bathsheba and the sin and the mistakes that he made was not included in the story. Similarly, Abraham and Hagar and the mistakes that were made weren't included in the lineage. But then characters like Ruth and Rahab were included with intention that some of the women within Jesus's line tell a story of inclusion where all we hear is kind of like the begat, begat, begats, the father, the father, the father. And one of the things that I find, like, you know, that the hope of all of it is to draw us into the stories. I'm, I'm a person that I don't have a real understanding of my ancestry um, and so I, I mean, like, I, you know, kind of a European, you know, mixture, cocktail, whatever it is. We got some English, we got some, you know, Sweden and German and all these different things. And so I don't relate to what does it mean to be a person that recalls my lineage as part of my contemporary story. And, and I know that for men, for some of us, especially like in the Anglo world, that's kind of the reality. But for others of us, that have, you know, native Hawaiian ancestry, that have our family in Japan or in Korea or in China or wherever that is, part of our story is intertwined with those that have gone before us, with those that have gone before us. And it's in particularly important for us to hear one another's stories, to include what's gone before in a way that we can understand who they are and how we can move together as a people. Because knowing our ancestry, knowing our place, knowing where we're from, helps us engage with one another. There's a phrase that a professor uh, had at Duke, he always to talk about, you cannot escape your formation. You cannot escape your lineage where you come from you can't escape the fact that you grew up in hawaii and you know the keiki back in the day i was talking to a friend who's in the room and talking about back in the day you know some of the kids didn't wear slippers at school and they just kind of run around and for me it's like what you didn't wear slippers at school or shoes even you're just like barefoot at school that seems like i don't even understand that But as my daughter, who breaks her sandal in the mall yesterday, starts skipping along, you know, the the idea that it's okay, it's fine, comes out of the story of a lived experience, right? And it provided some sense of comfort and welcome for me as being like, oh, gosh, my daughter needs to have shoes on her feet, especially walking through the girls' mall. Um, But the way in which you're able to take that part and draw someone else in and create room for them really does do just that, create room for them. And uh, the bishop of North Carolina, that, her name was Bishop Hope Morgan Ward, she actually ordained me when I was there, and she makes guest appearances here in the congregation. I never call her out, but she comes because her daughter actually lives in Kailua, and so she visits us at least a few times throughout the year. And so you'll kind of see her in the back. But um, anyway, one of the things that she, I remember, gathered all the young adults together, and uh, a young adult clergy together, and she it was beginning to, for Advent preparation. And she says, Advent is this beautiful time where we share our shared story together. We might each have our own lineage. We might each have our own histories. We might each have all of these pieces. But Advent is the time... When we share this story of Christmas, of the birth of Christ, and we don't need to make it into some fancy new sermon series about the best habits that you can, you know, exhibit this Advent season. We simply can share the story. Because there's something about that shared collective story together that brings us all sorts of emotions, and for some of us, it's stories of remembrance of a time ago. For others, it's a story of hope and joy, and you see the Christmas trees and the decorations, and it just like, kind of like moves in you. It's the spirit of, a, of the season, so they say. And for others of us, it's, it's a story of sadness, of longing. Of the loss of a loved one that's no longer with you during this special time when we're celebrating with families. But to tell the birth of Jesus each year and the leading up to it is to remind us of our shared story that each of us have a unique flavor and unique way that it weaves into our lives. And that's one of the things I'm excited about this season. If you haven't had an opportunity to go in back and to see, we have like this little, um, I don't know. Do we have any slides? I don't know if we have a slides, but, um, there's these pictures that people have been sending in of, there are Christmases in past, and so I invite you, oh yeah, there we got a couple of them, right? So we got a couple of pictures of Christmases in past as we share these stories, as we celebrate around the tree together, and it's like, they're so fun and so cute, and like, as we go back to that place, we remember that time. But the thing is, is that the collective hope, the collective peace, the collective joy, it remains with us. and And this... Celebratory day for some of us because you got a bulletin back (laughs) in your hands, right? It's been really anticipated, but on the back of it, I spent time writing a message that is part of that message, right? Is that now as a parent, I talk about how I'm learning to blend both my tradition and the way that I grew up sharing these stories and the way that my wife grew up sharing these stories. And now we're finding a way how do we do this as a family? together, to pass on the narrative. And here's the thing, is that when I read the genealogy, you think to yourself, that's someone else's story. But the hope of the writers that wrote that is that the story would continue with you, that you would continue, you would draw yourself into the biblical narrative. And this is a foreign idea for some of us, um, but for others of us, we, the more we retell the birth of Jesus, of Mary and Joseph and the journey they make, the more we begin to see that and to begin to feel the emotions and remind ourselves, the more we can begin to imagine some of the components that they experience in our own lives. In our own lives. And so when we hear about all of these characters, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us. But my hope is that when you think about your story, and when you think about how do I impart the hope, the peace, the joy, the love of Christmas, how do we talk story together more? To share with one another where we've been but most importantly, that we might begin to share where we're going together. Because that's the hope after all, right? Advent is this weird time. It's not a time where Christmas is here. It's a time when we're waiting and anticipating the coming of the gift of Christ. Christ. It's a time where some of us acknowledge that peace is here, hope is here, joy is here, love is here. And it's a time when others of us look around the world and we say, no, they're not. And we stand together and move forward together. How will we be the hope in the world? How will we be the peace in the world, the joy, the love? Those are the questions we ask ourselves or we should when we hear genealogies that come our way. One of the things I'm so excited about this year, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that, but uh, we're doing in partnership with the Tandana ministry is uh, we're partnering with them to provide for these businesses that we're starting up. The, the women within the communities throughout Mali will come together and they'll pitch business ideas to Tandana Foundation, who's a partner of ours um, in ministry and outreach. And as they pitch these ideas, they then kind of select the ones that have the best plan and then they fund them. And that funding then goes to mostly an entire community, a lot of times of women, to support their community and to pass on What they have learned as to be a generational trade or generational, like, they have learned this from their parents. And so on our back wreath, as you exit the sanctuary, you'll see all of these ornaments that have been created with indigo fabric printed on the inside, something that they had learned from their mothers and their mothers before them. And now they are trying to develop a business around it so that they can sustain the community and the families there throughout. That they're finding a way to go from the past and into the future, and we're standing alongside of them and supporting them in that by helping provide monetary funds for those businesses and starting those up together. And similarly, we have a giving trees and all the different ways that we support our local families to help make Christmas a time when they remember not as scarcity, but they remember abundance and gifts that come their way from the generosity of others. Those are two of the ways in which we will, as a community, come together to be hope for the world, to pray that God might be hope in those circumstances and in those places. But the most important which, and we talked about this last week, is to know that you have a seat, that you have a story to share At God's table. And so this Christmas, or this Advent, I should say, how will you share your story, not just the good, but also the challenge? Because one of the things that I remind us every Christmas is it's easy to get caught up in the glitter. Thanks, Stephanie. But the reality is Jesus was born in a barn. Noisy animals and crowded streets. The glitz and the glamour that we like to celebrate is not always the reality of our lives and of our stories. So how do we share with one another? And how do we be hope for each other? And how do we be hope for the world? I don't have the answers, but I do know That we pray, O come, O come, Emmanuel, during this time. And that together we hope that Jesus will come and give us the gifts. Help us see how to be hope for the world. I invite you to pray with me. Holy and gracious God, during Advent, we're reminded of the story of your birth in Christ. How sometimes seeming foreign and sometimes seeming long ago. But as we remind ourselves of the way the church has shared and reshared and reshared the gift of your breaking into the world and the hope and the peace and the joy and the love that you bring, help us find hope in our small piece of the story. Help us be hope for others and remind them that there's room for them, that they have been given the gift of your image and their stories are worth sharing. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen.